0: welcome to the mindful divine podcast with your host Shayna bianchi as a certified reiki energy worker a hypnosis therapist author and motivational speaker i like to consider myself a mindful healer i designed this podcast to give you a method to manifesting in order to transform your life and welcome the things you not only want but deserve whether you're into alternative wellness or simply want to learn to be more mindful in your daily routine, I will equip you with tools, practices, and spiritual wisdom to align with your dream life. I'm here to remind you that there is more light within, and the power to beginning your inner journey starts right now. Men are not prisoners of fate, but only prisoners of their own minds. Franklin D. Roosevelt. We live in a world where time is wildly important and can be extremely crippling. Nanoseconds mark the difference between success or failure to make an electronic transaction. Every day we are continuously reminded of the time, of being early or late, of having missed an appointment or arriving before set time. In today's world, time governs our lives In his bestseller, A Brief History of Time, physicist Stephen Hawking reminded us that the increase of disorder is what distinguishes the past from the future, giving a direction to time. There's no factual evidence that we can move backwards in time or that time tourists from the future are with us, even though I sort of do want to believe in sci-fi theories and time travel, but the arrow of time does carry us forward, and humans have measured this time through the ages in different ways. But just consider this for a second with me. Time may not be real, or real as we know it at least. And in my humble opinion, I think that time is a human construct to help us differentiate between now and our perception of the past, an equally astonishing and baffling theory. Anne-Laure LeComf writes for Ness Labs. She says, a reoccurring thought that never really leaves you is this, it's too late. It's too late to publish a book. It's too late to start a company. It's too late to learn a new language. Too late to start a blog. This is called time anxiety. The number of skills I haven't acquired and the opportunities I didn't take because of that very thought are, frankly, kind of infuriating and a mix of a bunch of other emotions. There's an over optimization that may be preventing us from creating the most value with our lives. We limit ourselves by always calculating the best potential outcome through our personal perception of what we deem as possible. Beating time anxiety means shifting our focus from outcomes to output so we can spend our energy on things that we can actually control and begin living in the now. Today we are going to learn about the illusion of time. The physics and science behind it, and how ancient civilizations started tracking it. We will talk about time anxiety, an all too common obsession about spending your time in the most meaningful way possible, and how we, as humans, mentally and emotionally track time with something called episodic memory. I'll also provide you with three easy to apply steps to learn to live in the now and reduce ties to time. Plus, enjoy a bonus meditation focused on energetic elements, which you can use to unlock your potential and be more mindful and abundant every single day. As always, thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. It really, really means the world to me to help spread light and have an outlet for a positive, thought-provoking message. Please subscribe to the show if you like it, maybe send it to a friend who might get value out of the message, and don't forget to stay mindful and divine. I've always been fascinated with time. Everything about it interests me. One of the most intriguing aspects of time is that it's all about motion in one way or another. The earth rotates on its axis and revolves around the sun. This gives us the hours of the day and the seasons of the year. An analog watch is a model of the movement of the sun, a model loosely based on its moment through the day. Without the movements of our planet, would time exist? It seems obvious that it would, but we wouldn't be around to notice it. As we just learned, time anxiety is the fear of wasting your time. It's an obsession about spending your time in the most meaningful way possible. And when society tells us, or when we interpret the signs from society as saying it's too late to achieve a particular goal, we don't perceive it as meaningful enough. We need, we demand that what we do with our lives actually matters. Time anxiety can take a few forms. The first is called current time anxiety, the daily feeling of being rushed that makes us feel overwhelmed and super panicky. Some people also experience anxiety attacks because of the day-to-day stress caused by this type of anxiety. The second is future time anxiety, thoughts about what may or may not happen in the future, which are the cause of worry and what-if types of internal questions. The third is existential time anxiety, the sense of lost time slipping away and never to return, which many people experience in a more acute way, when talking and thinking about death. Dr. Alex Lickerman, a clinical psychologist and the author of The Undefeated Mind on the Science of Constructing an Indestructible Self says that time anxiety stems from some of the following questions. Am I creating the greatest amount of value with my life that I can? Will I feel when it comes my time to die that I spent too much of my time frivolously? And according to Tanya J. Peterson, the author of the Mindfulness Journal for Anxiety, it's important to accept a few truths to be able to feel in control of your daily time and your lifetime. First, time or the concept of it exists and we can't change that. Time will move forward and so will we. Accepting these simple yet daunting truths is the first step in reducing time anxiety. Next, you can start to implement some strategies Dr. Lickerman also says if we continue asking why, like the child that we once were, trying to excavate down to our most rudimentary ambition, a time or an exercise, we'll eventually find all reasons lead to the same place, to the one core reason for living we'd sought all along, the core reason against which we measure the value of everything we do, to be happy. I'll say this. What we perceive as time is nothing more than a sequence of events. It's an illusion created by our minds. We see everything in nature is changing, right? All living things have a beginning and an end. The earth is constantly moving and spinning. But the main part of the illusion for us is probably the generational shift in human civilization progress and the progress and changing of human thought. People live and then they die and their children continue living and then they die and so on. But it's not because of time passing. We die because of our deterioration. Our bodies have a purpose to fulfill, to create other humans and work to achieve enlightenment. After a fertile period, we slowly deteriorate until it's the body's time to move on and shed our bodies in a beautiful way, just like other animals. Time does not have a part in our deterioration. It's the breaths we take, the amount of heartbeats, the wearing down of human organs and body parts. I don't mean to sound morbid at all. It's actually a beautiful and amazing way to think about the circle of life and the purpose and role that we play. We have the practical need to count how many times the earth spins, giving every spin a number, year, counting smaller fractions of it, days, and so on. It gives us a sense of depth, like time passed. We feel like we're closer to recent events and further away from things that happen the more times the earth has spun in between. It also gives us the possibility to organize, plan precisely, and to achieve togetherness and precision of things that we need to do together. But really there's no need to add time into that equation. The time as a physical force does not have a purpose and a part in this world. The earliest Egyptian calendar was based on the moon cycles, but it didn't predict the Nile flooding, which happened every year. So then the Egyptians adopted a solar calendar based on the sun cycles. They devised a 365-day calendar that seems to have begun in 4236 BCE, which is the earliest recorded year in history. Today, humans mentally and emotionally track time with something called episodic memory. People are usually able to associate particular details with an episodic memory, like how they felt, a time and place, and other particulars. It's not completely understood why we remember certain instances in our lives while others go unrecorded in these episodic memories, but it's believed that emotion plays a key role in our formation of episodic memories. As you can imagine, episodic and autobiographical memories play an important role in your self-identity but they do not need to become your self-identity. Remember that. Memories and instances in your life do not need to become your self-identity. Episodic memory is a past-oriented memory system that allows a re-experiencing of one's own previous experiences. Episodic memory is composed of a number of distinct but interacting component processes. Time and anxiety have gone hand in hand for me, personally, nearly my entire life. They fill up my episodic memory, and I find the concept of time to be wildly fascinating. For me, time and the construct of it has haunted me in two ways, work and life, and the balance of both or the balance of neither from time to time. I found with work that I've always pushed and strived for more, be more, make more, help more. Some call it drive. Others call it a sickness, but the fact is we are bred to burnout in America. We can't celebrate the mountain that we've climbed because we're already looking to the next. And I'm not quoting Miley Cyrus here. We can't celebrate the victories because we already have the obsession to achieve the next one. With work, I would wear a hat. I'd be a person. I'd do a job and work tirelessly long hours to achieve what was really mostly ego-based and affirming seeking. Nothing wrong with working hard and doing good work, but when it impedes your health and your ability to take time for yourself physically and emotionally, then there's some reflection in order. I found with life that I make timetables and agendas in my mind constantly. When I'm this old, I'll do this. When I'm this old, I'll do that. I'll have a baby. This long after I'm married, I'll write a book during this time. And what's wild is that this started when I was really young and went hand in hand with some time anxiety that I didn't even know was anxiety for many years. I actually remember in fourth grade, not being able to fall asleep, like just once in a while, you know, it would happen. And I would start to cry and freak out. My thought process was this. If I don't fall asleep, I'll be tired tomorrow for school. If I'm tired, I won't learn as much and I won't do good on my test. If I don't do good on my test, I won't get good grades and I won't get into a good college and I won't get a good job and I won't be successful and I won't make a lot of money. Uh, yikes. That's a lot to grapple with as an eight-year-old. And pretty young to be developing time anxiety. I was also recently talking to my friend Elle about the pressures of life and the lists and timelines we make in our minds. There's a lot of pressure on our generation right now as women to have it all and be it all marriage by X age, baby by X age, travel to X amount of continents, make X amount of money. She had to push out her honeymoon because of the State of the world right now. And even though we know it's best, we can't help but feel like we've lost the power to control to do what we want when we want it. And the loss of control and time planning is harder to mentally digest for some than it is for others. I'll admit, a lot has changed in the last few months with our routines, which has helped to redirect our focus, at least for me. I can't help but feel like this whole COVID thing is a chance for everything that we know or think we know about process and timing and normal to shift. Remember timing, whether it's a wedding, a delayed honeymoon, or when you get pregnant is all divinely timed. This was part of the plan, the real plan for you. Our human mind is always so busy at work making its own plans. Busy, busy, busy. We can recognize our mind with our feelings and thoughts, but it's important to remember that it's just a human organ and it's working and doing what it thinks it's supposed to do. My brain is so funny and so busy all the time. It even thinks it knows more than the universe. Funny to think about it that way, right? Because the universe is like, oh, silly brain, you're just making lists and plans and you don't need to. I've actually got this covered. And our brain sometimes doesn't realize that the plans it's making, is it's actually going against the plan of the universe or God or whatever you call it, going against the plan of our lives. The plan that was put in place when we took our very first breath in this body, on this planet. Spiritually, we know this, but mentally and physically, it's harder to accept. The first step is to cleanse the mind of the anxiety connection with planning, controlling, and mentally mapping the future. Living in the now is hard, but an important practice that should be in our daily routines. Welcome to Method to Manifesting 101, a guidance segment providing you with specific tools and spiritual hacks to put mindfulness and manifestation into practice. In an article on time, anxiety, and being late, anne Laura Lecomf goes on to recommend a few helpful tools that she's used to undo the must-dos in her mind in an effort to find a slower, more aligned pace that suits herself and her spirit. While finding purpose in life is an important factor in the psychology of happiness, spending too much mental energy on finding it rather than doing things that make us happy can be anxiety-inducing. Here are three steps from Anne that I love, and you can use these at any time to reduce time anxiety while still finding meaning in your day-to-day life. One, define what time well-spent means to you. Sit down and think about what really makes you happy and gets you in the flow without overthinking about how feasible the final outcome would be. Just think of your output and how it makes you feel to work on producing it. For example, don't think about how happy it would make you to publish a blog. Ask yourself if you really enjoy writing and producing content. Don't think about how proud you would be to run a marathon. Question whether you like running. Create a short list of activities you really enjoy and that brings value to yourself or to the world. And also think about what value means to you while you're at it. Two, make a space for these moments. This does not mean making time for them. Instead, think of when and where you will incorporate these moments in your life maybe on your way to work, maybe at home after the kids are asleep, or maybe spending time with your kids is the activity that you want to make space for. If you happen to have less time than expected, that's totally fine. It's more about designing a space dedicated to your time well spent activities. You know, As the prolific writer Maria Edgeworth said, if we take care of the moments, the years will take care of themselves. So there you go. It's not about how much time you can allocate towards something. It's just giving yourself some time, a.k.a. space, to do that something. Three, cut out time-consuming distractions. The moments we spend mindlessly scrolling on social media or watching random videos or fear-mongering news contributes to time anxiety. Do a quick audit of your content consumption patterns and try to cut out the amount of time you spend on an input mode rather than output mode. My friend M thinks time is an illusion, a human construct that gives us a sense of meaning, but it isn't a necessity of life as we think it is. He thinks it can end up being a hindrance if we try to force feed our lives into a specific time frame, and the more time or space that we spend with something that brings us happiness while living in flow and in output mode, the better off we will be as a species. My husband also talks about something that he calls resting thoughts a lot. To him, a resting thought is the thought that you continually return back to each day when your mind is resting from whatever task it was previously doing. When we're living in the now, we all have a resting thought. The trick I've found is to find a resting thought that isn't pushing you into the future or dragging you back to the past. Instead, it's peaceful, abundant, and affirming. A good resting thought that I use, I am here and it's now. Then I feel and listen to three deep breaths that I take. In an effort to live presently in the now, I'll be sharing a simple meditation that I use at the end of this episode. And I'll be sure to link it in the episode notes for you too. And PS, some of my meditations will be live on the Mindful Divine YouTube coming soon. In one of my favorite books, The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle says, all negativity is caused by an accumulation of psychological time and a denial of the present. Unease, anxiety, tension, stress, worry, all forms of fear are caused by too much future and not enough presence. Guilt, regret, resentment, grievances, sadness, bitterment, and all forms of non-forgiveness are caused by too much past and not enough presence. He goes on to say time isn't precious at all because it's an illusion. What you perceive as precious is not time, but the one point that is out of time, the now. That is precious. The more you're focused on time, past and future, the more you miss the now, which is the most precious thing that there is. I recently watched the documentary The Last Dance, and I really loved when Michael Jordan said, why would you think about a shot that you haven't taken yet? So true. I I don't know about you, but I really want to continue to work on living in the now now and not worry about any of the shots that I already took or any that I haven't taken yet. It's important to look to various stories and ancient rituals of years past. This is a segment called Ancient Ancestors and will help us learn from cultures, myths, and those who came before us. So where did all of this time tracking stuff start? And why are we still using it and ruling our lives with it today? What is time? And why does it flow? Is it just an illusion? Why do we think of a week in seven days instead of 15? If there were names that spanned 15 days, could we think of time in a different way? We're pretty tied to our weeks and what each day of the week means and feels like to us. Friday, working for the weekend, a bad case of the Mondays, hump day, go back Thursday. Isn't it weird that we let time and timing of our week control our moods, output, energy, and emotions? Dr. Nick Lom, consultant curator of astronomy from the Sydney Observatory, says the origin of our time system of 24 hours in a day with each hour subdivided into 60 minutes and then 60 seconds is complex and interesting. I agree, Dr. Lam, it is complex. And it made me want to delve further into where it even came from. Like who made up time? Turns out our 24-hour day comes from the ancient Egyptians who divided daytime into 10 hours. They measured with devices like shadow clocks and added a twilight hour at the beginning and the end of the day nighttime was divided into 12 hours based on the observations of stars the egyptians had a system of 36 star groups called decans chosen so that on any night one decan rose 40 minutes after the previous one the subdivision of hours and minutes into 60 comes from the ancient babylonians who had an affinity for using numbers to the base of 60. We have retained not only hours and minutes divided into 60 from the Babylonians, but also their division of a circle into 360 parts or degrees. The ancient Chinese used a dual system where they divided the 12 so called double hours, originally with the middle of the first double hour being at midnight. The Mayans, known for being one of the most technologically advanced civilizations of their time, inhabited the regions of Central America and Southern Mexico. Their most notable achievement was their intricate system of time, which consisted of three different calendars. These calendars were known as the long year, Tzolk'in, and the solar year. The long year calendar was used to measure long periods of time and is responsible for the 2012 predictions. The Tzolk'in, which means the distribution of days, is also called the divine calendar and the sacred round. It was used to determine the time of religious and ceremonial events. The solar year is the calendar that most closely resembles our Gregorian calendar that we use today, which is based off of an actual tropical solar year, aka the time it takes Earth to orbit the sun, which is about 365.24219 days on average. Like what? We count our lives by years. We measure our age and wrinkles and accomplishments by this. And it's really just the time span of the beautiful natural phenomenon of Earth's orbit. Why are we waiting this and taking it all so seriously? To keep track of time, the Maya observed and recorded the yearly cycles of the sun, including the times of equinoxes, solstices, the zenith, and nadir passages, Sunlight and shadows, as well as the position of the sun during sunrise and sunset, are recorded in the architecture of the magnificent pyramids, palaces, and other structures of ancient Maya cities to this day. These special times of the year were celebrated with massive ceremony in these ancient times. For me, understanding that time is a made-up concept used more to track nature and its beautiful occurrences helps me to put my mindless time tracking and anxieties into perspective. It allows me to think of my personal timeline in a new light, and I hope it does the same for you. Okay, so we can understand or start to understand that time is a human construct, but what about the larger span of time? What does it mean when we think of the past, present, and future? Well, my dude Albert Einstein always said, the distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. And if time is an illusion, can we move forward and backwards, left and right through time? Is time travel possible? Can we create and recreate alternate realities and go back in time to completely obliterate a past, future, or present event? It is surprising that scientists these days say that future events can decide what happens in the past. They validate this with the Delayed Choice Experiment, which is a modified form of the famous double-slit experiment. What if we all could time travel? What if we could alter past realities? What if someone from the future had gone back to the past to enable us to live our lives today as we do now? Was A Wrinkle in Time anybody else's favorite book or just me? I mean, long before our minds could fathom such fascinating ideas, it was said that spiritual masters came from the future to the present from which level they had already evolved thousands of years ago, to facilitate evolution of today's humanity. Y'all know I'm so into this woo-woo stuff. But if time is something that we constructed as time travel, something that we can do through our minds too? For saints and yogis, transcending time is not a matter of theory, but a matter of experience. Kind of fun to think about even if you can't fully grasp it or believe it just yet. Mindful and Metaphysical is a segment where we will delve into a wild theory, concept, scientific breakthrough, or idea that will help you see the world and our reality through a different lens. The reality of time travel moves from the realms of science fiction to spiritual practice, and finally into scientific possibility and experimental evidence. Cortalo Sasamo describes the three main modalities of time travel, where one can move to different moments in time and return. In every case, there are complexities that must be accounted for, including certain events that cannot be changed and the enormous investment of energy needed to jump through time. Mo Abeldaki wrote an article on Gaia stating that he was stunned to find physicists not only embracing the possibility of time travel, but engaging in experiments that have actually proved Einstein's theory of relativity and time, notably the flying clock experiment where remarkably accurate clocks flying over the Earth were found upon returning to the ground to be slightly slower than their counterparts here on Earth thus proving Einstein's theory of general and specific relativity to be correct. The clocks in the jets had essentially traveled forward in time to the future. Some of the greatest names in the field, including Dr. Stephen Hawking, Dr. Ronald Mallet, and Dr. Brian Cox, believe in time travel. Even one of my favorite physicists, Michio Kaku, thinks that centuries from now we will likely learn to manipulate the power of a black hole and travel through time to meet our illustrious ancestors these physicists say you'd either have to move close to or faster than the speed of light or find a wormhole or black hole or or tesseract for those wrinkle in time fans to transport you but scientists are still working on that julian barber a british physicist who's authored several books on the subject of time describes everything as a series of nows which i actually quite like Dr. Barber told physicist and author Adam Frank in the book About Time, Cosmology and Culture at the Twilight of the Big Bang, as we live, we seem to move through a succession of nows. And the question is, what are they? When I was on a walk recently with my husband, we were looking at our dog Bodhi, wondering if he knew what time it was now. As humans, we make up time. And it made me wonder, do animals and our furry friends have similar constructs in their minds? Turns out, Kind of, though theirs are more intuitive and a little more emotional. In trying to understand dogs' concept of time, humans can't help but reference their own concept of time. But that's tricky since humans have the unique ability to construct artificial measures of time, such as the second minute and hour, as we learned a little bit ago. This is mainly because humans use episodic memory in order to travel through time, recalling past events and looking forward to future ones. It's what many scientists believe makes humans unique. Wilfred Corbis goes on to suggest that just because dogs don't perceive time in this way doesn't mean that they're completely stuck in the now moment, as a lot of research would suggest. Dogs are capable of being trained based on past events and taught to anticipate future events based on past experiences. This argues in favor a kind of canine version of episodic memory, according to research conducted by Dr. Thomas Ental of the University of Kentucky. The essential difference appears to be that humans can pinpoint when something happened in the past by relating it to other events. For example, we remember our wedding day as well as who attended, what songs were played, and the happiness that we felt. Dogs on the other hand, can only distinguish how much time has passed since the event has occurred. For example, my food bowl has been empty for a long time. Of course, they don't need only memory to tell them this. A growling stomach says it all. There's also research evidence for dogs understanding of the concept of time based on changes in their behavior when left alone by their human companions for different lengths of time. Studies show that dogs display greater affection toward their owners if they've been separated for longer periods of time. As the amount of time away increases, so does the dog's excitement. This will come as no surprise to dog owners. Most canines get excited about the return of the master to the castle, especially after long absences. But this research is also important because it shows that dogs are capable of recognizing and responding to different spans of time. For dogs that suffer from separation anxiety, the difference between one and five hours can mean the difference between mild agitation and a full-blown panic attack. And whether we're thinking about our pup sessions or ourselves, one thing is true. We decided that a time construct was what we know because it's what we've been told and it's all we can physically see. AstronomyTrack.com mentions being three-dimensional creatures possessing length, width, and height, we're unable to see the fourth dimension as our physical world as it's constructed within these three physical dimensions. We might feel or intuit time's presence, but we can never actually detect it with our three-dimensional senses because it extends beyond our universe. Humans only perceive the fourth dimension of time as memories lodged at variable intervals, the result of which is our apparent perception of time moving forward in a straight line. And remember, you don't always have to see something to believe it. You must believe it to see it. Okay, Starseeds, it's time for a soulful send-off. Each week, this will either be a soul card that is drawn for us as a group collective, a beautiful poem, or a scripture to inspire your day. So today I chose to share and guide you through a quick meditation that I really enjoy to help live mindfully and in the moment. This episode has taught us about time. Or the lack thereof, and the concept that we are all energy moving in and around the construct of time. Einstein was said to have thought of time as a river flowing in and around energy, matter, and stars. For this reason, I like to think of myself less as physical matter and more as energetic matter that is connected to the earth and all its elements much like the elements that were originally tracked, traced, and studied as time by the Egyptians and other ancient civilizations that we heard from earlier. Welcome to the Four Elements Meditation to bring you into the now. Allow this practice to provide a different lens for you to examine the body. Give yourself space to drop in and deeply investigate the elements in your body. Bring an open mind and see what you can learn about yourself. Remember that mindfulness is about seeing clearly and looking at things from a new perspective can often bring about clarity. Settle into a relaxed position. Close your eyes. Bring your awareness to the places of the body where you are currently experiencing contact. Your feet on the floor. Your hands in your lap. Or your body's sit bone on the chair or on the floor. Begin with the element of Earth. This is the solid form without thinking too hard about what it means openly examine where and how you can feel solidity. This might be the structure of your skeleton. The chair you're sitting on. Any places of tension in the body or the weight of your muscles as they relax. Don't rush through the sensations. Don't try to force them. When you feel the earth element in the body, stay with it for a few breaths. Inhaling and exhaling. Inhaling and exhaling deeply. For you to connect to your solid state, continue this seeking, recognizing, and feeling for a few breaths, good, inhale, and exhale. Inhale. And exhale. Now we will switch to the element of air. Focus on the air entering your body in the form of breathing. Where can you feel the air of the breath? Do you feel this in your mouth? Your throat? your lung cavity or your stomach look for the air in places where it enters the body look for the wind within where you can feel empty space the nostrils the mouth and the ears the mind Allow the air inside of your body to create space. Imagine the air you feel encompassing your body, making you light as a feather. The air lifts you and your mind higher than it's ever felt before. You feel free, light, and happy. Inhale here, and exhale. Continue with a few breaths on your own, enjoying the lightness of the air enveloping your body. shift your awareness to the water element tune into any sense of liquidity that you can feel there may be moisture in the eyes saliva in the mouth or sweat on your body maybe you can feel the flexibility of your muscles the flow of your breath in and out the sounds of the stomach Or even the pulsing of your blood. Allow the fluid to flow in and around you. Allow your thoughts to flow like water moving through you. If a busying thought comes in, imagine it floating away from you down a river. Continue to sit by the flowing river of your mind. Peacefully watch as thoughts, feelings, emotions, or past situations flow by, allowing you to sit presently in the power of the now moment. Inhale, swallowing the saliva in your mouth, Recognizing that you are an earthly energetic element with water moving and flowing through you at all times. Exhale out, picturing the blood flowing through your veins and keeping your beautiful heart beating. Good, inhale, And exhale. Next, let's bring your attention to heat or to the fire in your body. Perhaps it's the temperature of the air touching your skin or certain spots on the body that are warmer or cooler than others. Remember that temperature can be internal or external heat can feel safe and warm releasing any negative connection to a fiery feeling now imagine a ball of positive abundant light heat inside of your stomach allow this light to radiate out of your body imagine the perfectly temperatured heated ball of light shining out from you this light shines out onto others and out onto the world from your inner being at all times feel the heat of the light shining onto you and the loving warmth that carries with it as others feel your positive light inhale light exhale light good inhale and exhale go ahead and spend a few moments in awareness of the body as a whole collectively working together and aligning to the earth the universe in the present moment, now. As you breathe, feel the four elements working together to support and fuel your body. Remember, you have the power to release constructs that exist only in your mind. Release the notion of time. Release the hold that you may have previously had with the concept of time. Allow yourself to feel and feel free in the present moments of your life. Let your resting thoughts fall back to your breath. Allow yourself to embrace the mantra, I am here now I am here now I am here now inhale and exhale beautiful work slowly start to wiggle your fingers and your toes allow your breath to go a little deeper now as you move your body around and regain a sense of your surroundings blink your eyes open and thank yourself for opening your mind to think differently today about the present moment and time as we know it Thank you for joining me with that meditation. I'd like to close this episode with a good reminder quote by Eckhart Tolle that says, be as interested in what goes on inside of you as what happens outside of you. If you get the inside right, the outside will fall into place. And that concludes another episode of Mindful Divine. For more information, you can check out my website, MindfulDivine.com, where you'll also find insight on therapy sessions, workshops, events, and so much more. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mindful Divine, where you'll receive exclusive behind-the-scenes content on the show. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this episode in the podcast app, the iTunes store, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time. Stay mindful and divine.